Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. One of the best decisions you can make is actually free. Signing up for our daily newsletters at clark.com newsletters. Beyond that, something I'm asked about a lot is robo-investing. And Fidelity Investments, one of the largest financial houses in the world, has had a really confusing strategy for helping would-be customers or existing customers with robo-investing. And I think they've grown up with it. They've changed the program. And I think now is a good time to give you Fidelity as an alternative if you want guidance. And I'm going to tell you how it works. And also in this episode, the airlines are fighting mad about a proposed regulation that I may soon ask you to post comments on because the airlines are going to do everything they can to astroturf this. You know what astroturfing is? That's where you put all these fake objections online in the federal record where you get people, you pay people, or you get your employees and their family members to post stuff so that they'll think people reviewing a final rule to benefit the public will think, oh, this must be terrible to have to tell people the truth about what they'll really pay for an airline ticket before they buy it. I'll tell you all about that coming up. And there's homework you should be doing anyway before this proposed rule that I hope goes into effect actually happens. So let's talk Fidelity. Fidelity is a huge financial house controlled by, closely held by a family, one of the wealthiest families in the world. And Fidelity is a really innovative company. But one area they have not had a clear strategy on is this idea of people who want to do a lot on their own but need some guidance or would like to have more help than just a little guidance. They would like to have somebody being like um, a shepherd helping them through and making decisions, but they don't want to spend all the money for a full hands-on financial advisor. Well, Vanguard has done unbelievably well with something they call PAS, Personal Advisory Services, and it requires... $50,000 or more, which eliminates a huge number of people because who's just sitting there with, I got 50 grand I'm going to put in the stock market or put in investments. So a lot of people trying to climb that ladder, they can't get to the first rung at 50 grand. And that seems to be a trend at Vanguard that their organizing principles more and more are about serving people who have a lot of money 
instead of serving people that are just trying to get there. So Fidelity has responded to the Vanguard offering with a new Fidelity Go. And if you say, I'm in Fidelity Go, that's not new. The new Fidelity Go is really different. And it requires 25000 Still a fair amount of money, but a lot more people have twenty-five grand than have fifty, And so you pay an advisory fee of 0.35%, basically a third of a percent, to have the ability to talk to humans for personalized financial planning. So sounds a lot like Vanguard's personal advisory service, right? Personalized fidelity, personalized planning and advice. And which is what they used to call their advisory service, but now the whole thing's going to be called Fidelity Go. I hope I haven't confused you here. The point is that you're able to get human advice guiding you towards the goals you're trying to reach to help you plan a portfolio or even do it for you once you have that 25000 If you don't have 25000 they'll give you robo-advice only where the algorithms tell you this should be what you're invested in. This should be the mix. This is how much you should have in this. This is how much you should have in that. This is how much you should have in the other. So from zero to 24000 because Fidelity, you need $1 to open, you can do the Fidelity Go robo 25,000 or more you can have the personal advice now the 0.35 standard in the industry is that you pay one percent of your investments to the investment advisor but generally the one percenters aren't interested in people till you got a lot a lot a lot of money measured in hundreds of thousands of dollars and so this is an opportunity for you to get direct advice from an individual, a financial professional advising you about how to reach your goals, what your money should be in, talking about your plans, your future, asking you questions you haven't even thought about, and paying a very low fee for that one-on-one guidance. So if you are a Fidelity person and you're looking for some guidance, Check out the new Fidelity Go and see if it fits the pieces of the puzzle that you feel like you're missing right now in handling your planning, your goals, and your investments. If you're looking for a place that's not as expensive as where you've been or you're not sure they're really there for you, this would be an opportunity for you if you have a smaller nest egg but twenty-five grand or more to look at as a place to invest. So the big three financial houses all used to be Vanguard, Fidelity, and Schwab, all used to be about all self-serve investors. There was no thought about advice. And this is a new era where people are looking for more guidance. And so the three big financial houses are looking for ways to do this And at the same time, offer you a compelling value, a price, and hopefully a service that you find is useful. And this is the latest version 
or one of the bigs from Fidelity. Krista? I have a couple of Fidelity-related questions. This one's from Wendy in Idaho. What kinds of investments is Fidelity better and less expensive than others, like Schwab? If I have a Schwab investment account, is it worth it to open a Fidelity Zero account and move certain investments over to Fidelity to save money? And if so, which investment types? So really, Wendy, with Fidelity, Schwab, and Vanguard, the index funds which is Fidelity's zeros are all index funds. Schwab has its very cheap index funds. Vanguard has its very cheap index funds. Fidelity's, though, the zeros are zero cost. They're all so inexpensive that really it's almost like a marketing issue with Fidelity, Schwab, and Vanguard. So it goes back to the really what I was just talking about. It's what's the overall package of services you want. As an example, Schwab has really done a great job on the banking side. So you can do investing with Schwab and also do your banking with them and not be with a traditional giant monster mega bank or anything like that. You can do your banking and your investing with Schwab. Vanguard, on the other hand, is just about investing, is terrible. In fact, they're pretty much out of any of the cash management and banking stuff. And Fidelity is kind of in between those two. They all have their various forms of providing advice and guidance. Vanguard has virtually no physical offices you can go to. Schwab and Fidelity have the physical offices. So there's not a compelling uh, cost equation that would make any one of the three better than the other if you're doing index-based investing or you're doing exchange-traded funds. So it's just whichever one has the features you're looking for, the convenience, and the tools that work for you because the costs between them now are so similar that cost would not be how I would make a decision. From Pat in New York, hi Clark, thank you for all you do for all of us. We appreciate you and your team. I have two different 401ks, one from an old job, one with my current job. My current job offers about 24 funds, mostly through Vanguard. My old 401k is mostly with Fidelity. Should I move the old 401k funds to my current job's 401k or keep both? So if your current employer is a larger employer, Pat, they're both very good 401k administrators. They're both good providers. There's a hassle factor involved with you having two 401ks. And even though there's no overriding reason to move a Fidelity administered one to a Vanguard one, the only reason there might be is if your current employer is a very large one, the underlying fees of that 401k with Vanguard should be very, very low. And then you have the elimination of having to have two 401ks, you have just one moving the money over. If your employer is smaller, then the fee issue becomes fuzzier, particularly if your old employer was a larger employer. I would keep the older 401k that's Fidelity administered in place. But if the larger a company, almost always the much lower the overall administrative costs of your 401k plan are. And that would be the reason if your current employer is a very large one to go ahead and move all that money. 
from Sarah in Ohio for PayPal and Venmo types of services. You recommend opening an account with an online bank to minimize damage if someone hacks into your account. Instead of connecting your PayPal to a bank account, why not connect it to a credit card? Wouldn't a credit card carry protection in these cases? Thanks for all you do. That is a wonderful question. So if you use PayPal and pay with a credit card, there are many cases you're going to have to pay a fee. Some you will, others you won't. You'll have to pay the merchant processing fees for using a credit card. Just depends on who you're paying with PayPal. The credit card protections depend on the circumstances for which you are using PayPal. And anytime I'm buying merchandise from anybody, I use PayPal tied into a credit card, just as you're saying, because I think that is a much better idea, Sarah. So this is one of those things that I guess you would say it depends on the nature of how you tend to use PayPal. If it is merchant-related services, simply having it tied in with a credit card is a great idea, probably the best idea. If there are a lot of transactions you're doing on PayPal where you're sending money, let's say, to your kid's school or something like that, and you're going to have to pay an extra fee, or you're sending money to a friend, and if you use a credit card tied in PayPal, you're going to have to have an extra fee involved, then having the separate account with an online bank tied into it with only the amount of money you're going to use tied in is a great idea. Uh, My wife has done this with Venmo, where she has a separate account that is tied into the Venmo, because there are a lot of circumstances where something maybe involving kids' school, they want to be paid by Venmo. That one came up in my mind earlier, because we've had to do that. I don't know. Do you ever have to do that? All the time. Okay. (laughs) And, And if you pay by credit card on Venmo, you're paying the extra two and a half percent? Yeah, I just have my Venmo hooked up to set the separate checking account that we use. We put a little money in there every month, like from paycheck, it goes automatically in that account and we use it to pay a bunch of people on Venmo. I, ne- I don't even have a credit card on Venmo. I have one on my PayPal for when I'm purchasing things from a merchant Yeah, and so, that's what I use. So our situation is the same as Krista's. PayPal, we have both forms of payment And Venmo, we only have one, which is the online checking account where we don't have to risk having somebody come in and steal a huge amount of money. Mm -hmm. They can only steal what's there. Uh, Recently, there was a $0 airfare. It was advertised all over the place. It was a real attention getter. No fare. So why didn't our Clark Deals team talk about it on the website newsletter? I'm going to tell you straight ahead. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Frontier Airlines recently for the fall, because fall is a soft travel time for the airline industry, particularly for leisure travelers, except for obviously Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. Frontier recently had a $0 sale. And people look at Clark deals in addition to all the deals on stuff we post and restaurant bargains, things like that. We post travel deals and we didn't post that one. And the reason why was the deals team went on Frontier site and started pricing out what the $0 tickets actually cost you to fly when you added in all the junk fees. We even had one of the cases where the free ticket ended up costing $200 by the time all the fees were added in. $200 for a free ticket. So it didn't include taxes, junk fees, seat selection, baggage fees, blah, 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 blah. And there were actually cheaper fares available on the then Southwest sale where the fares were $59 and up, but that was the whole thing. You paid the 59 and you got your, your free bags and everything else. And so we weren't going to be like a fish with the hook and mouth and write free airfare when it was just to come on. Well, this to me is a symptom of what the federal government's trying to do with the new rulemaking, what's known as uh, when the government makes a rule, It can be what's known as an interim rule. It goes into effect right away. It can be a proposed rule that is, this is what we're thinking of doing. They open up a comment period, and then they go through the comments, and they come up with a final rule. Then the final rule is what it is until somebody files a suit and tries to stop the final rule. Well, the airlines are freaking out, absolutely freaking out. Because the new proposed rule, if it goes into effect as written, it will require that when you're shopping for airfare, you will be able to say, before you get quotes from a multi-quote site or, you know, where you go to like Google Flights or you go to Expedia or anything like that, Priceline, you'll be able to put in, we check one bag, we'd like to have one carry-on, we'd like to have a seat assignment, uh, whatever the things are, you'll be able to put in the criteria and then it will show you the comparison of the fares. Now think how different that is because the game today is to get you to go on and see a fare and get excited and click on it. And you think about, um, I forget, is it American or United that if you buy a basic economy, You can't even put a bag in the overhead bin. You can't even do a carry-on. You can't do it. You can't even pay for it. I mean, man, that's tough stuff. And then these baggage fees are out of control. So my thing, let the market compete, but give you the tools and the information so you can make a smart decision. It's been my thing about healthcare for a long time, 
is this thing where the healthcare providers treat what something's going to cost you as if it's a state secret because they don't want you comparison shopping. The airlines are playing a different game. Has an old name, I think, from the 1960s called bait and switch. They get you, they lure you in with what looks like the frontier zero dollar fare or a deal on American United or Delta where they're advertising a fare, but it's basic economy. There was an American recently, I thought this was a kick. It was a deal from the East Coast to Los Angeles. And it popped up at 129. I click on it, and then I'm looking, that's basic economy. What was regular economy? $469. So $129 for basic economy, $469 for regular economy. No seat assignment, last board, blah, 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 blah. So wouldn't it be a lot better if they weren't able to tease me into their website and instead I knew I needed this, I want this, I want that, and you're able to put in that criteria and then you see the fare. Why do the airlines hate that so much? Why do they fight it so much? Because they want to trick you. They want to fool you. They want to tease you, to click and say, okay, well, I want this, I want this, I want this. What happened to my $149 fare? Now it's $379 or $259 or whatever. So I love this. And if the airlines really do start astroturfing this and posting all those fake comments telling how awful this is and how it's the end of life as we know it, I'll give you the information on how you can post comments in support of it, if you're in support of it, having to have disclosure of price before you buy. The same issue has been going on with the hotels. I mean, this stinking thing with the hotels. All right, there was one yesterday I saw that in addition to the hotel room rate, there was what they called an urban amenities fee. What is an urban amenities fee? Krista, you want to guess what an urban amenities fee is? I was trying to think of what that could possibly be. Sidewalks? It was a bunch of nothing. I mean, that's, it, you was, know. it was. I mean, I looked and it was just funny. It was just a way that they could advertise a lower price on the room. There's a park nearby that you can use? <laughs> there actually is a park by this particular hotel. That's what it is. I could read the description, that's but it nuts. was just, it was all like written by a lawyer uh-huh. to charge the fee. It was just under 40 bucks wow. a night. So hotels with charging these fees, the one that upset my brother recently was you go to, he was going to Vegas, you go to Vegas and they have the resort fee mm-hmm. at the casino hotel. But then on top of the resort fee, you then had to pay a huge daily fee for parking. Mm. So what does the resort fee cover? It covers internet in your room and i think that's about it oh i can't even believe it covers the internet i would think that means you have a pool and other oh yeah stuff. yeah oh yeah all the amenities yeah uh-huh. usually they get you for the internet separately <laughs> so and we crazy. talked do you remember back in the spring we talked about the hotels in vegas i think this has gone to la too where you can pay a huge fee to have uh, Shay's Lounge reserved for uh, you yes. at the pool now. Mm-hmm. It 
these fees are variable and they can be quite large. So the idea of nickel diming and dollaring you after you bought something really disturbs me and disturbs a lot of people. There's a position in the marketplace, particularly in hotels, with hotel chains that have no junk fees added on, that have no surprises that later are the gotcha. I love that. But hotels should be able to disclose just like this proposed rule would do with the airlines. Mm-hmm. Okay, questions. Stacy in California says, my oldest son is serving his third enlistment in the U.S. Army at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Well, thank him for his service to our great nation. I am really appreciative of him doing so in a time of an all-volunteer military. Now that he and his family are back stateside, I plan on flying to visit around six to seven times per year. Do you know of the best way to fly back and forth to either Raleigh or Fayetteville airports? I don't have any travel cards at this time, just a USAA 2% cash back card as my husband is an Army veteran. I'm looking for either the cheapest airline or best reward card. So normally, uh, you're just going to have to buy tickets. The reward card's not going to get it done for you uh, unless you were charging really high volume on an airline card. As a general rule, Raleigh is going to be a significantly cheaper airport to fly into than Fayetteville. And if you use, I mean, I really love Hopper and Google.com slash flights. You set up fare alerts on uh, Google Flights, set them up both to Raleigh and to Fayetteville. And when deals pop up, they will alert you. And there are certain days of the week for travel that are cheaper going to visit your son and his family and coming back. And as a practical matter, in a market like Raleigh, you're going to find Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays, Saturday afternoon after 2 o'clock especially, are going to be the cheapest three days of the week. But that's only significant to the point that the bargain fares that pop up from time to time are going to be your most important friend. So since you can visit like every other month you plan to go, when a sale comes along, that's when you jump on it. Also, sign up for Southwest Airlines Rapid Rewards. Raleigh is one of their markets. If they serve where you live, oh, they serve everywhere in California. You'll find that Southwest that doesn't publish its fares on the comparison sites, that often they will have, for off-peak travel times, the best fares available to you. You could also consider... That would be the one travel card I might Mm -hmm. consider is getting the Southwest Airlines Rapid Rewards card because it's so easy to redeem for free trips and the formula for redeeming is so clear. You could consider getting the Southwest Airlines Rapid Rewards card on one of their sign-up bonuses, which the one I saw yesterday was 80,000 points. And that would convert into a lot of free tickets. The annual fee is reasonable enough. That might be the one I would do. And Rania in Georgia says, I have three airline companion certificates that are all slated to expire on January 31st of 23. I've tried everything under the sun to extend the expiration dates until next summer. Do you have any suggestions that might be helpful? So these are the Delta ones? Yes. Yeah. They're not going to extend them. 
Delta did several COVID-related extensions, and they seem to mean it this time that those are going to die on January 31st of next year. So just if you can, take a trip now. Go somewhere. You live in Georgia. It's Delta's largest flight base in the world is Atlanta. So you can go anywhere and uh, take somebody with you on one of the off-peak sales that are going to happen for obviously January after we get out of the new year is a very, very cheap time to travel. Maybe go somewhere in, if you can do December after the Thanksgiving travel boom, and then before the 15th of December, that's a really low price point. And then you'd have the redemption of the companion pass. But I think only people that are Delta 360s, which is Delta's highest level of frequent flyer, it's like a secret membership society, that only the 360s get what's called waiver of rules and restrictions on things like certificates that would have a set expiration date. And Brenda in Mississippi says her brother has 60000 and these are Delta Sky Miles from a rewards credit card. Is there a legit way to redeem these for cash or use the cash value to purchase anything else online? Don't do it. Uh, first of all, there are these sketch sites where you can sell your points. It's really an iffy proposition. 60,000 points. You can do redemptions for non-travel things. Don't recommend it. You can donate them too, can't you? Oh, you could donate the 60,000 points. You don't get a charitable deduction for it. Oh, you don't? It. Oh. But you hmm. could donate your points to a cause that really matters to you. Um, or your brother could just hang on for a while. Or someone in the family that wants to fly Brenda, your brother could give them free travel. That would be a great thing to do. And Delta publishes a list, as several of the airlines do, where they show which redemptions are on sale to what markets in the United States or uh, with Delta American United, they show overseas which markets have deals on redemptions. But the best thing to do with frequent flyer miles is use them for travel or for upgrades. And 60000 won't buy you a huge amount of travel, but particularly when they offer the mileage redemption specials, it might buy tickets coast to coast or something like that. So it takes me full circle to my favorite reward there is for any credit card, which is cash. Cash. That's right. Um, you know, I have the city double cash card and they complicated double cash recently and have all these points things you can do or do cash. And I did a redemption yesterday. It took me under a minute and suddenly I had $320 in cash that posted to my account as a payment against it. I know people don't think it's exciting to use the money to pay your bill. <laughs> Seems really good to me because they gave me that money and like, here it is. And I just used it to pay the cash. And we update uh, those cash cards on Clark.com um, in our credit card section. We have lists of the cash cashback cards. And you know, double cash used to be the only 2% card. Now there's a bunch 
of 2% cash back cards. But, you know, with the cash, you don't have to worry. The airline says, oh, we have no allocation of those seats today. Or it's going to be double miles for you to use it on that trip or anything like that. Or uh, what did you think? You thought you could use that during a holiday? What's wrong with you? So cash is king because nobody can tell you what day of the week you can use it or that all the allocations of cash are gone. And I want to thank you so much for listening today. Know that we are here for your empowerment. This is here for you. And if you have a question, a problem, a concern, and you want some one-on-one guidance, we've been offering that for almost 30 years. You can talk with a member of Team Clark at our Consumer Action Center for free. You want to see all the scoop about how to do that? Go to clark.com slash CAC.